J.C. Corcoran Podcast. Good. Thanks. Hi. Amy Adams is here, everybody. Hi. You have uh, red hair and... Um, yes, I do. I do. Guess what they used to call me in high school? Cinnamon Muff. No, they didn't call me Cinnamon Muff. What do they call you? Firecrotch. No, Strawberry Shortcake, Small Child's Doll. You know, uh, I find you to be a wonderful actress. and uh, Thank you. Can I give you uh, an acting challenge? Okay. Um, I'm going to show you a line, and then I'm hoping that you could do it with much, as much weight and gravity to it as possible. Okay. Uh, it's a pretty serious line. I'll say action. Action. Don't you ever fart on my tits again. No, I'm just getting warmed up. Happy to see you again. Don't be nervous. Don't be rocky. You're a teenage guest is jockey now. And let me begin by wishing you a beautiful look. Did that voice inside you say, I've heard it all before. It's like deja vu all over. Thursday, May 11th, 2023. How are you doing, kids? You are at jconthelinecom That Between Two Ferns thing that Zach Galifianakis does is a riot. And it's not so much that, you know, what he's doing is that funny, although it is, but it, it's just the number of people who've come on the show. I mean, you're talking about major a-list celebrities, Academy Award winners. You know, he had David Letterman on there. He's had Paul Rudd. He's had uh, Will Ferrell. He's had uh, 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 Jennifer Lawrence. It, it, it's just, it's an absolute scream. And the idea that you could get Amy Adams in there and that she went along with the joke and did it genuinely and believably and enthusiastically is what cracks me up. Anyhow, here we are as we are approaching the weekend. By the way, there's a chance of storms and rain that comes along with it any time through Sunday. It's not going to be any all-day rains or anything like that, but it's just, you know, we, we are finally in what I've been dying to say, and that is we're in a springtime weather pattern, which is good because that means spring has sprung, the grass is riz, I wonder where the flowers is. I used to have that house in... I used to have that house in Olivet, and those azaleas in front of my picture window. Man, that was a great thing every year. All right, from time to time, from time to time, I have pointed out the, uh, well, in some cases, it's ineptitude of local television news people, but more often than not, frankly, I don't do it to ridicule them usually. It's just to show you how badly things have been cut. There used to be redundancy and double redundancy and journalistic integrity and accuracy. All those things used to be really important. All I was was the goofy entertainment guy, you know, interviewing comedians and rock stars and stuff like that. And I can't tell you the number of times where I made a grammatical error and I heard about it. Now, that didn't happen very often because I'm a stickler for grammar. But, you know, even when you are, you can make mistakes. But that's why you had safety nets, because you had a couple of producers and uh, a news director and an assistant news director. And these people would all look at everything before it went on the air. Now, 
They're hiring people that are far too inexperienced, don't have the right backgrounds, and there's no safety net. So whatever comes out of their heads, including incorrect spellings, mispronunciations, and stuff like that, it goes out over the air. And that's where I see it, or you guys see it. A lot of people send these things to me. And you've heard them from time to time. Really severe risk of weather for 28 million people, large and strong tornadoes. We're talking baseball, Lester, that's about the size of baseballs. That's what we're worried about. <laughs> Al Roker <laughs> it was on the network news. Well, you know what he had to say, but it came out. Baseball, Lester, that's about the size of baseballs. All right, baseballs the size of baseballs. What else do we have? One of our favorites from Channel 5, Brent Solomon. I'm Brent Solomon. That disturbing discovery happening this morning at the Principia Lower School. I'm Brent Solomon. And, of course, got to let Channel 4 get in there. And now, KMOV Sports Authority. Live from the KMOV Broadcast Center, this is News 4 This Morning. Watching out for you. Well, coming up on News 4 This Morning, Chip Correa is set to take over at Valley Sports for Cardinals play-by-play. Chip Correa... And back to Channel 5. Travis Cummings 5 on your side. The Blues sent Vladimir Tarasenko to the New York Giants. Travis Cummings 5 on your side. All right, Travis, thanks. And, of course, Channel 4 for like the last 15 years is at a chief meteorologist who cannot pronounce a somewhat important weather word. That's the bulk of our accumulation. This is where we get the bulk of our accumulation, but not as much, if any, more accumulation. That's not going to add up much, if any, more accumulation. So, these accumulations, but it'll come down so heavy, we will get some accumulation. That's why it will accumulate little to no more additional accumulation. But the bulk of this accumulation, Monroe and St. Clair in uh, Illinois, I'll be there for you. Oh, but... Back to Brent Solomon, because this guy never disappoints. I'm Brent Solomon. Today, Russia's president, Vladimir Putin. Vladimir Putin. I'm Brent Solomon. I'm Brent Solomon. Today was the 38th annual Thanksgiving... Thanks for giving parade. How about that? St. Louis native, Nikki Glasser. Was featured as honorary grand marshal. I'm Brent Solomon. But then there's Claire Kellett at Channel 4, who's a lovely gal. She's really, really a sweet person. I've met her a couple of times. But if you don't know how something is pronounced, ask somebody. Claire, I'll give you my number. You don't know how something's pronounced? Call me up. I'll tell you. Oh, I'd be too embarrassed. Well, what would you rather be? Embarrassed in front of just one person sitting 850 miles away or embarrassed in front of an entire city? Everyone in St. Louis is listening. Welcome back. Time now to answer our Monday fun fact. When was the term March Madness first used? Well, the answer, the term first used in reference to basketball by an Illinois high school official. That was back in 1939. March Madness wouldn't become associated with the NCAA tournament until Brent Musburger used it to, during the coverage of the 1982 tournament. 
Sask Energy is announcing a proposal to jack off, uh, up the cost of heating your home by 27 to 30 percent. From two of our favorite analysts, Roland Martin. Well, I don't know. I'm gonna go favorite there. CNN political analyst and Obama You supporter. know you love me, Kara. <laughs> At least Leslie Sanchez, Republican strategist and CNN political con con contributor, is always on time. Sorry, Barely. Leslie. Oh, Lord. See? They are at the start of an investigation which they genuinely be believe is going to uncover tens of millions of dollars in healthcare fraud. Wow. Yeah. Jonathan Cunt live in our uh, Southern California newsroom. He was on this Thursday, August the 7th, 2008. Did you see Jonathan Hunt's report earlier in this newscast? The producer in the booth behind me is Jonathan Glenn. So I was talking to Jonathan Glenn and then I was about to thank Jonathan Hunt and I said, Jonathan. You get it. Continuing to follow the latest developments in the crash of Delta Flight 5191, 49 people killed. Here's a Black Hawk helicopter, Black Hawk helicopter surveying. JLo's new song, Jenny from the Block, all about Lopez roots, about how she's still a neighborhood gal at heart. But folks from that street in New York, the Bronx section, sound more likely to give her a curb job than a blow job or block party. The New York Post, we're sorry about that slip up there. I have no idea how that happened. <laughs> I do. I do, Shep. But anyhow, that's when he was on Fox. And then along comes Jane Skinner. Jane Skinner, another lovely gal. Very, very pretty. Worked with us at Channel 4. And at some point, we heard something about she had a boyfriend in New York who worked for the NFL. It turned out to be the guy who would end up as commissioner and it wasn't paul tagliabu either you know paul tagliabu when he was a legal clerk in washington dc used to carpool with my lawyer when my lawyer was in washington and they would carpool into work every day for a couple of years but i digress yeah roger goodell so she moves to new york marries roger goodell and then takes a job at Fox, and she's finishing up the news and getting ready to toss it to Shepard Smith, who, as you already heard, seems to have plenty of experience with problems like this. The deputy police chief says six officers were killed, including the district's top cock, top cock after, cop after the vehicle they were riding in was sprayed with bullets. And those are your latest headlines. I'm Jane Skinner. Time now to send you back to Shepard, who is live where? Just outside of Memphis. <laughs> Do you know how sorry, hard it is to, to read when everyone else in the studio is shaking with laughter at your misfortune? I know. I've, I've been there, Jane. You it's too, been worse me. For Just me you too. Me. Do it now. <laughs> wow. When you're on network television and all you can think of after somebody does something is to say, wow. You know some shit went down. And yesterday, Claire Kellett on Channel 4 gave us a new one. All right, time now to answer our Wednesday fun fact. Here it is. Which famous song by Doris Day was featured in the 1956 thriller, The Man Who Knew Too Much? Well, the answer is Q Saracero. Whatever will be, will be. Hey, that's what it said. Q Saracero. All right, here on the podcast, we only do politics when it is absolutely unavoidable, and we got one of those situations today, because last night, and you know the story about the guy who came from Colbert Show, who was the new president of CNN, and I guess he figures that CNN has to be more fair, fair and balanced. And so they're doing more stuff that appeals to Republicans, and what could be more appealing to them 
than to turn the entire network over to Donald Trump for a couple hours last night, which they did. Let me preface this by saying Caitlin Collins was damn good last night. She was all over him, especially in the abortion thing, because he would not specify what his abortion policy was. And she must have asked him, honest to God, I don't think I'm exaggerating here. I think she must have asked him 12 times, asked him the same question. He just kept dodging the whole thing. So she was fine, but people all over social media and all over the internet this morning saying, I'm not going to watch CNN anymore if this is what they're going to do. You know, why subject ourselves to this? And, And it's not just that they're presenting the quote unquote other side. If that's all it was, fine. You got Mike Pence or Chris Christie when he finally, you know, declares his candidacy. Asa Hutchinson is on a lot now. That's not what this is. It's not just when you're dealing with Trump, it's not just the other side. Well, let's just put it this way. If you have been paying attention to Donald Trump for the last six or seven years, last night, you didn't miss anything. Trump was doing his greatest hits. Joe Biden, who was watching that last night and thought, you know what? I like what I see out of that. I want to go back to that. From four years. All those yeah. voters in the suburbs you're talking about. I mean, he mocked E. Jean Carroll, who convinced a jury of nine people, six men and three women, that he was liable for sexual abuse and defamation. He mocked her story. The audience, by the way, laughed along with it. A, a very Trump-friendly audience read more like a rally than it did a town hall. He also said January 6th, quote, was a beautiful day, said his supporters were there with love in their hearts. Uh, And as you mentioned, he said he would effectively empty the prisons of a lot of the people convicted of crimes on that day. Said it might not be the worst thing in the world if we default the full faith and credit of the American economy, if we default on this debt ceiling question. Uh, Wouldn't defend Ukraine. Said he he couldn't choose a winner in this war. He just wants people to stop dying. A nod to Vladimir Putin there. Mr. Trump again pushing lies and conspiracy theories about the 2020 election he lost and going further in his support of people convicted of crimes related to the January 6th attack on the Capitol. I am inclined to pardon many of them. I can say for every single one, because a couple of them, probably they got out of control. I would say it will be a large portion of them. You know, they did a very... And it'll be very early on. They were there with love in their heart. That was an unbelievable, and it was a beautiful day. We've all seen the tapes enough times to know that it was <laughs> that it was a beautiful day. Actually, it was cloudy, if I recall. You know, here's part of the problem, though, and this is why I think people are mad, and I think rightfully so. They said it was going to be a town hall. It wasn't a town hall. It was a Trump rally. It was done in Trump friendly territory the audience was made i didn't if there was if there were anti-trump people i didn't see or hear them last night it's possible i did but i didn't catch any of that part if it was there so call it what it is and then people will perhaps have at least a little more respect for you and then there was george santos yesterday they've been gracious in there now i'm gonna have to go and fight to defend myself the reality is is it's a witch hunt because (laughs) It it makes no sense that in four months, four months, five months, I'm indicted. You have Joe Biden's entire family receiving deposits from nine, nine family members receiving money from foreign, from foreign destinations into their bank accounts. Oh, the press and the crowd really enjoyed that, huh? Oh, man. That Santos guy just absolutely fractures me. He just cracks me up. All right, a little baseball cards got thumped in Chicago last night. They won the series, though. And after what we've been through the last 
couple of weeks. We'll take that. Off day today, Adam Wainwright takes them out against the Red Sox in Boston tomorrow night. You know, I, our first trip to Fenway was about, oh, I don't know, early 2000s. The U-Man and I went. That was where we did that thing. It was called Yanks and Beans because we went to Yankee Stadium and saw Roger Clemens win his 300th and then took the train up to Boston. That was really cool. I loved that train, by the way. And they were going through New England. Oh, it's just gorgeous. So uh, you go up to Boston, and then we uh, worked out of Bill O'Reilly's studio, believe it or not. We fumigated it first, and then we went and did our show, and then we left. But the Cardinals were playing Boston, and so we had press passes, and it was really nice because they took us around and showed us a lot of stuff. We were inside the Green Monster, inside the scoreboard, you know, just really looking at everything. The inside of that scoreboard, by the way, looks like it hasn't been touched since 1918. Still had a lot of the old numbers that they used to hang on little nails for the scoreboard. You know, if you scored three runs, they'd put a three up there. Uh, still do it that way at Wrigley Field in Chicago, but everything looks new and shiny and pretty and green. This stuff looked like it came over on the Mayflower. And I'll say it again, I- I'm glad we went. They make a way too big a deal out of, I forget the name of the street that's right next to the ballpark that everybody just pours into before and after the game. And I I was led to believe that this was just incredible. I got news for you. All around Ballpark Village in St. Louis, all around Wrigleyville in Chicago, a hundred times better. A hundred times better. And, and again, it is historic. I'm glad we went. It was fascinating to see. But no way would I want that to be my everyday ballpark. Not a chance. You know, a lot of the really old ballparks, and I'll use Wrigley Field again because that's one of the still standing historically old ballparks that has been refurbished so many times. You know, one of the things uh, they did back in the 1970s was the seats that go all the way down the left field and the right field foul line. When they ripped out the old seats and put the new ones in, they tilted them towards home plate so that you're not sitting there looking straight forward and having to look way to your right to be able to see what's going on. And tilted probably isn't the word. It's angled. They angled the seats. They turned them like a quarter turn towards the play so you could see what was going on better. None of that in Boston. None of that in Boston. Matter of fact, some of the best seats in the ballpark, the ones right behind the dugout, appear to me to have been the original seats because they were made out of wood and they were all frayed and worn down and they didn't have much paint on them. And also, the width of your ass in 2023 and the width of your grandfather's ass back in the early 1900s when the ballpark was built are two different sized asses i swear to god these seats were only about 12 inches wide and we're looking going how to get your butt in there and this is people who don't understand things like evolution look how much we've changed just our bodies alone in 100 150 years even the life expectancy you know back in 1900 was something like 47 years old now it's like i don't know 73 or something we went from not being able to fly at the turn of the century from the 1800s to the 1900s couldn't fly at all to going to the moon in 1969 and A couple of decades after that, landing this thing on Mars, which has taken pictures, and then the Hubble and the James Webb Telescope, which is showing us stuff we didn't even know was there. So now, just think about that. All that's happened in the last 100, 125, 150 years. Now, just think about hundreds of millions of years, or even tens of thousands of years. This is what, like I said, if you don't understand evolution, it also probably means you can't count. 
And every once in a while, you'll see a story like this. My buddy Les Trent on Inside Edition will pop up with one of these people who has been experiencing the hiccups for something like 15 years. Can't stop hiccuping. Latest victim, Bo Jackson. Arguably the best male all-around sports star ever. I say male because... I give prompts to Jackie Joyner, Kersey. That's another story. Anyhow, Bo Jackson is living his life hiccuping, non-stop hiccup since last July. And it's actually a medical condition. He thinks it's unclear what's going on, but he can't get it corrected. He said, I'm getting a medical procedure done the end of the week to try to remedy it. The doctors have been poking me, shining lights down my throat, probing me every way they can to find out. And this is where it gets interesting. They don't have any concrete answers yet, but it isn't for a lack of trying. He says, I've done everything. They've tried to scare me, drink water upside down. And this one I don't really get, unless the doctors were just trying to have a little fun with with Bo said that they uh, had him smell the butt of a porcupine. See the doctors, you know, smoking outside on their lunch break going, I don't know, tell him, see if he does it. He did. Still got the hiccups. It was on this date in 2011, we got our first look at Tony LaRusso with the shingles. He had it all over his face and forehead and eyes. He looked like Quasimodo. That, uh, that I've already had my first shingrex uh, shot. I'm due for my second one, and then you don't get it, or you got a very little chance of getting it. 1984, I was sitting in Buffalo, New York, and I thought to myself, well, I worked on this movie. Let's see how it turned out. The movie was The Natural. And I've told these stories before. You know, they used War Memorial Stadium in Buffalo, New York to shoot the movie. Just to show you how decrepit and old and fallen apart that place was, the movie is supposed to take place in 1939. They had to do upgrades to War Memorial Stadium to make it look like 1939. That's not a good sign. But those guys loved us because all the construction guys and all the crew people got there a couple of months early to do work on the ballpark, and they would have our morning show on 97 Rock in Buffalo blaring through the stadium speakers while they were working. So when we showed up, man, we were superstars. And they treated us like kings. I'm walking around and hanging out with Glenn Close. I'm playing catch with Robert Redford, all that sort of stuff, because they knew that I was cool. And then they came to me and said, you know, we're having problems with people leaving. You know, these giant crowd scenes, and they're busing like church groups and Knights of Columbus and everything. And then they put them in wardrobe and, you know, have the same two or 3,000 people, and they would move them around the stadium in the grandstands, depending on what the camera angle was, and they just kept moving the people around. But as you know, if you've ever seen a movie being made, there's more time standing around than there is actually stuff going on. And so people were getting so bored, and they were cold, and they were hungry, and they were just saying, fuck it, I'm getting a cab, and they would leave. And they were like, we're trying to get these people to stay. How about we give you a couple of turntables? Hey, it was 1983, right? And we'll give you a microphone. And we're going to give you big boxes of prizes and just cool stuff. And can you just like between takes, Barry Levinson, the director, will wave to you and say, okay, we're going to have some downtime here, so go ahead. And Barry Levinson will wave to me, and I would say, I'd wave back and go, okay, we're going to have a little time to ourselves here, so let me ask you this trivia question, blah, 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 blah. We try to keep the crowd interested so they just weren't bored out of their minds. And then out of the corner of my eye, I could sort of see sometimes it was a half an hour, 45 minutes between takes. I'd look out there, and I could sort of see that they were maybe getting ready to start something. And then Barry Levinson would wave to me again, and I would kill all the music. I'd uh, turn off the microphone. I'd get out of the shot. 
and then let them shoot the scene. And I did that for a couple of weeks, and they were paying me like 200 bucks a night. And I still have to check stubs and everything. It was really fun to do. So it was on this date in 84 that I was just getting ready to leave Buffalo. I was uh, I had already found an apartment in St. Louis and, you know, getting ready to pack up my stuff and move to the Gateway City. And it was just right before I left. It was like the week before. It was like, okay, we're doing the uh, premiere of The Natural. Come on in. And I remember thinking to myself, I don't know if people are going to like this. You know, it was uh, filled with all this uh, imagery and people, I was afraid, were going to think that it was just a baseball movie. And it wasn't. Yeah, it was about baseball, but it had so much to do with other stuff. Sort of the human dynamic of, you know, greed and uh, backstabbing, all the cool stuff. You've seen the movie. But I wasn't sure people were going to like it. And yesterday, I forgot to mention this. Jeez, what's wrong with me? Yesterday was the anniversary back in 1990 of a young New Jersey dancer named Busty Hart, who, in order to promote her appearance at the gentleman's club on the east side heaven forbid a non-gentleman would enter she decides to put on this loose tank top and parade around in the upper deck at bush stadium and people lost their shit so much so that they actually had her arrested and each one of her boobs was like the size of a prius it was just you really got to wonder what kind of doctor would do that to her would do it to anybody. And she was, you know, mildly attractive. She had a nice tan, but she was a real D's Dem and Do's chick. We're talking like, you know, bowling alley level stuff here. <laughs> Not everybody who bowls is going to be mad at me. Anyhow, we had her come into the studio and I was still in my neck brace because, and this was one of those big, hard plastic Jerry's Kids neck braces after I had had that cervical surgery. So she's like, okay, uh, let's shoot some pictures and let's shoot a video. I was like, all right. And I didn't want to have the neck brace in the shot, so I took it off. I just, I'm just going to take it off for a couple of seconds here for the picture. And my partner got on to the right side and I got on to the left side. And then she had us kneel down. One on her left side, one on her right, facing the camera, and she faced the camera as well. And she said, all right, are we rolling? Yeah. And she took those things and slammed them into the side of both of our heads. And I was like, there we go, $20,000 neck surgery right out the window. But I survived, and I still have the video, and if there was some place I could post it where it wouldn't get shut down, I would do that. And, and, you know, it must have been a dull summer or something because this is pretty low-brow stuff. But she became a star. Can't even imagine what she must look like now. I carry those things around in a wheelbarrow. And after some uh, crazy television commercials and a lot of anticipation, I did what uh, I found out later was apparently illegal in St. Louis, and that is to turn down a lame contract offer from KC Radio and move across the street and take my audience with me, which we did on this date. May 11th, 1987, we began JC and the Breakfast Club on the Classic Rock Station 93.7, and within a couple of months, we were number one and held out of that position for what was like the next five years. Casey doesn't like to talk about that. Casey doesn't like to talk about The Rock, either when The Rock came out there and blew their doors off. And they also don't like to talk about when John Hewlett and I went on <coughs> K-Hits 96 and proceeded to beat Casey. They don't like to talk about any of that stuff. 
It all happened. It's all documented. It's all there. I don't have to make anything up. Chris Pronger and his brother have unveiled their new whiskey brand. It's called Journey, and it's spelled J-R-N-Y. It's when you're a hockey player, you get hit in the head with a puck enough times, you spell Journey, J-R-N-Y. Why not? I have to be careful because it just seems like there's so many Disney stories now, and I'm only about an hour and 40 minutes from Orlando, and sometimes I think to myself, am I... Uh, noticing these Disney stories just because I'm living in Florida most of the time? Or is it really a case of Disney being in the news that much? You know, the whole thing with DeSantis and everything like that. And then you get this. Disney announced that they would be temporarily combining Disney Plus and Hulu into one app, possibly with ESPN Plus as well by the end of the year. And they're also raising the price of the ad-free subscription. And a lot of people are hurting these days. Nobody wants to cop to it, but everybody's running out of money. Now, I posted a picture this morning down here at the Circle K down the street from a gas $2.98. That's cheaper than Costco. And I hit the brakes and just about threw the dog and my daughter through the front windshield. But if you think I'm going to, after all this, I'm going to turn down $2.98 gas. Are you kidding me? But people are hurting. You know, people are hurting. Everybody's running out of money. A lot of people who grew up really, really poor, I mean, we see them today and they're driving around in limos and they just have servants and all that sort of stuff and they're living in mansions, but they didn't start out that way. Like Shania Twain's all over the place now because she's, you know, starting up her musical career after years off. She said uh, sometimes she'd go to school hungry. Cardi B said her parents have regular poor jobs and it's rubbed off on her. She says, I'm cheap. Toby McGuire once said he was born to young parents, so his ambition was to make money for security and comfort. He says he's very cheap with his money. Jessica Alba grew up in a survival mode because her parents didn't have a safety net. Now she teaches kids about how to do things cheap and wear hand-me-down clothes. Cameron Diaz said her parents weren't well off and she would collect recycling for extra money. And the point is that a lot of these people are still incapable of splurging even today. Mila Kunis is a big supporter of Groupon. She walks into restaurants with Groupon. She says, I use it all the time. Dave Grohl, Foo Fighters. He was poor, single family in Virginia. Halle Berry, when she first moved to New York, she ran out of money and lived in a homeless shelter for a while. Hillary Swank lived in a trailer park. So did Eminem. And if you're a male movie star and you're living in Hollywood or you're, you know, touring the world, playing music, and you bought all the toys that you think you can find and you still got money left over and you don't do cocaine anymore, what do you do? You marry somebody about 70 years younger than you and you start having kids again. Paul McCartney had his fifth child at 61. Jeff Goldblum had his first kid at 62 and then another one at 64. Elton John, first child at 63. Alec Baldwin, eighth child at 64. Gary Busey had his third child at 65. Rod Stewart, his eighth at 66. Clint Eastwood, his eighth child at 66. Steve Martin had his only child at 67. George Lucas had his fourth child at 69. And then there's Mick Jagger, who had his eighth child at 73. The kids range in age from six to 52. See? See, I'm not apologizing to anybody. 58th Academy of Country Music Award Show tonight. Garth Brooks, Dolly Parton, another country music show. There's one a month now. 
Birthdays today, Martha Quinn, 64. Louis Farrakhan is 90. Bob Marley died of cancer in Miami at the age of 36 on this date back in 1981. This one is a head-scratcher. There's a trailer on for, this is going to be Eva Longoria's directorial debut. I like her, and I just think she's so beautiful. And uh, anyhow, the uh, the movie is called Flamin' Hot. It's inspired by the true story behind Flamin' Hot Cheetos. It hits Disney Plus and Hulu on June 9th. Tom Cruise apparently wants to date Shakira. She is four foot eleven, I think it is, or five one, something like that. So you know, he stands next to her and he looks tall. I dated a Miss America contestant once, and she's probably five eleven. And our first date, she wore flat shoes. I told you, you're going to heaven for this. You're going to heaven. A study claims the worst place to be a police officer is Arkansas. Best place, Duncan. And Oprah is building a wall around her California home. Nobody knows if it's to keep intruders from getting in or to keep Stedman from getting out. <laughs> and with that, the J.C. Quarkman podcast for Thursday, May 11th, 2023 is in the can. We're here every weekday morning at 11. Spread the word if you're able. You can email me, jc at jconthelion.com. We are on Facebook, the showgram with J.C. Quarkman. Have a great day. Talk to you in the morning. In the meantime, we've beaten this one to death. Have a good one. See you later. Bye. You have Joe Biden's entire family receiving deposits from nine, nine. The J.C. Corcoran Podcast.